The Brooklyn Vegan Show is a podcast about music brought to you by the music blog and online record store Brooklyn Vegan. Make sure to subscribe to hear all of our upcoming episodes featuring interviews with musicians and more, and find us 24-7 at brooklynvegan.com, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, welcome to the new episode of the Brooklyn Vegan Show. I'm Brooklyn Vegan editor Andrew Sacker, and we've got a really cool episode with L.A. Scott punk band The Interrupters, whose new album In the Wild comes out on Epitaph Records this week. We talk a lot about the new record, including the different styles of music explored on it, the lyrical themes, which are by far the most personal the band has ever written, and the many cool guests on the album, including members of Hepcat, The Skints, Tim Armstrong from Rancid, and two-tone legend Rhoda Dakar of The Body Snatchers. We also talk about members of the Interrupters recently backing up Tim Armstrong and Jesse Michaels in a semi-impromptu Operation Ivy reunion. We talk about the moment that Ska's kind of been having lately. We talk about the band uh, recording vocals for their new record backstage at City Field when opening for Green Day, and much more. It was a really cool chat, and I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Hi. Hi. Yeah. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Good. Where, Where are you? I am in my apartment in Queens. All right. Uh, so, where, is it hot? Uh, it's not that bad. We had a heat wave last week, and it's finally over. It's like 20 degrees cooler today than it was two days ago. Nice. So, uh, I, love, where, I love it. Yeah. Where are you all right now? Los Angeles, where it is very hot. It's really hot. Um, <laughs> always the heat wave. <laughs> yeah. Especially the Valley, which is where we reside. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show um thanks for having us yeah welcome um so just real quick just because there's four of you uh can everyone just kind of say their names so we can kind of people listening can be like all right i can connect that voice to that name okay this is kevin i have the most soothing voice i play guitar (laughs) my name is amy and i actually have the most soothing voice (laughs) my name is justin and i sound just like this guy well, but my name's Jesse, and I had acid reflux last night while sleeping. So <laughs> yeah, that'd be the easiest one to identify for sure. All right, awesome. Um, so, <laughs> so you just uh, wrapped up a tour with Floggy Molly, played Kimmel. Um, you have a little time off before the album drops, and you head to Europe. So, what are you up to right now? We're starting a rehearsal today for the tour because our album comes out next Friday in the wild. August 5th. August 5th. And we're working some new songs into the set list. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I can't wait to hear the new stuff. Hopefully I missed the last show in New York, but hopefully next time. Um, oh, we're gonna send, do you, you don't have the, we, do we have been send you the record? Oh yeah, I have the record. Yeah. yeah no. Um the record's awesome. I have a ton to ask about it. Um Oh, awesome. Yeah. I did however catch you at in at City Field with the Green Day and Weezer. Um and Yay! I yeah, no that was one of our extended sets. <laughs> and I remember you tweeted about the playlist mm-hmm. that was before we went on stage and I was happy to report that that was our playlist that we play <laughs> yeah. at our headline shows even, but on the Hella Mega tour they were like, you guys could play whatever you want before you're set. So we just played our playlist and um, I'm glad that you clocked that. <laughs> yeah, that was so sick. Cause I like just happened to have gotten there like an hour early and I was like, wow, they're like playing fucking rad shit this whole time. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Yeah. 
Um, I remember, I forget which member it was, but I remember somebody like cracking jokes on stage, like, oh, it's the arena, it's the stadium yeah. rock show. And I was, is you okay? Um, and I was like, but I was, you know, on a very also serious level kind of thinking like, you know, I'm like a 90s punk kid. Like, this is the first time I think the bands I grew up on are doing stadiums. Like, it really did yeah. kind of feel like triumphant for, you know, us 90s punk kids. Yeah. Um, what was uh, what was that like for you being like on that tour and witnessing those crowds every night? It was surreal. It was crazy because I think for the rest of the world, I mean, we were in isolation with just like everybody else. So going from, you know, your house and your couch <laughs> and being isolated, it was just us for, you know, we made making the record um, on lockdown. And then to go from that to stepping out on the stage with, you know, 50,000, 30,000 people. Yeah. It was like, this is so surreal. This is so amazing. It really was a dream come true. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was like uh, zero to 60 it was in zero to, five seconds. Yeah. And I just remember that first show, we kicked off the tour in Dallas and I- uh, We left our bodies. We left our bodies. And I just remember <laughs> feeling so sore afterwards because I was so intense <laughs> and nervous and just like yeah. all that nervous excitement like came out. But it was, oh man, what a fun tour that was. Yeah. Was a huge learning experience too, to play, you know, to kick off a show like that, like, you know, like it was a- It was an honor. It was an honor. Yeah. To even just be- Invited to the be, party. Exactly. <laughs> And every night they had fireworks. So it just, it kind of made, you know, Green Day at the end of their set play, yeah. you know, stadium fireworks. And every night we watched them play and every night we watched the fireworks show. Yeah. And every night we would just hug each other and look at each other and be like, I can't believe that we're here. This it, is amazing. It felt like the celebration of the return of live music. Yes. It really did. It, even as like an attendee, it kind of felt that way. Like I had actually seen one or two shows before that one, but that felt like the moment where I was like, I think we might be kind of on the other side. Like it was really celebratory. Yeah. Like totally. Um, I also just feel like the Interrupters were such a perfect band for that tour. Like if you're into Green Day and Weezer and maybe not up on new music because you're a little older, I feel like it'd be so easy to be won over by your songs. Do you oh, feel like you made you. a lot of new fans on that tour? I mean, even, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to catch you. On this last Flogging Molly tour, we had people coming up to us every show, like, we saw you on Hell Omega, and, and oh, there's nice. a few shirts in the audience, a lot more of them nowadays. So that's just awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I feel like that is just the ultimate ideal for, like, an opening set like that. Um, so the new album um it is your first since 2018's fight the good fight which was home of she's kerosene which kind of became the first scott punk hit song in a very long time um and now four years later like you know scott is like sort of having a moment um but when you formed nobody in the mainstream is paying attention to scott being a ska bam is like the least trendy thing you could possibly exactly. do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was an interesting choice. We made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you like at that point, like, you know, when the band was first forming, did you ever think you'd hear Scott Punk on the radio again? And did you ever think you'd be the ones to do it? No, absolutely not. No, no not at all. <laughs> I mean, at the time we started too, the radio was like very, it was, it was just so different than the radio we grew up on. So yeah, that wasn't really a thought in our minds, but being, you know, growing up listening to ska and punk, it's like, it never really goes away. It's always there. And whether or not it dips into to a radio or a mainstream kind of like space for a minute, never really, I feel like made a difference 
to the shows because I've been going to ska shows and punk shows my whole life and they're always awesome you know what I mean so it's just one of those things where it's like sometimes there's this other light sh shined on it for like a minute but like I, I don't think that's ever like that it's ever gone away really you know totally yeah. yeah we just wanted to do what we love and do music that we love and we hope that it connected with people we didn't dream that it would uh you know have like we couldn't dream that at the time we'd be on the Jimmy Kimmel show or that we would be on the radio. You know, we're, we feel yeah. really, really lucky. Yeah, for sure. Um, now just to make sure I have my history right about the band's formation, I believe according to the internet, Amy, you were a solo artist and uh, the three of you had your band, the Telecasters and you met while opening for Sugar Ray. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Um, so Amy, do you back then when you were a solo artist, you were playing different styles of music. You weren't really playing ska. Was ska ever something you considered exploring before the Interrupters formed? Well, I've I did. I've always done like hints of like reggae. It was a kind of reggae pop. I've always done punk um, and rock and roll. So um, uh, no, I didn't like particularly ska music or two-tone music. I didn't do that as a solo artist, but I did do a lot of reggae influence stuff because reggae is such a big part of my upbringing and my life. And I love reggae music so much. And I've always loved ska music. So when we had the idea for the band, I mean, to, to incorporate the punk and the ska yeah. elements. Um, Even our band was like a, a rock reggae band. And we would like, flirt with ska in certain songs but when we started this band and we played together for the first time that ska rhythm with that punky kind of like four on the floor like just felt the best and we just kind of like went for it you know on mm -hmm. that first record and uh yeah yeah that's awesome how did you all kind of first become ska fans oh that's a good question i know for me i had a friend that i grew up with and he was Jamaican music was like his genre and when I was in like the ninth grade he started burning me CDs and just giving me all sorts of ska started with the Scatolites and then like Hepcat and Slackers to bring it like the more contemporary but he always had seven inches and 45s that he would make mix CDs on and then give it to us and that was just my high school years were just ska music and the jazz band at school <laughs> which kind of almost went hand in hand because there's like big horn sections and you know solos and whatever but yeah. That was my introduction was, was there. Besides, I mean, like we always listened to it before because it was on, you know, the 90s punk was always relevant and there was compilations that other bands would be on. But to dive right into Jamaican ska music, that was that was how I, we got it. Yeah, I remember being in middle school and my sister's two years older than me and she was friends with these ska kids and, and they she had the hopelessly devoted to you compilation and it had like against all authority and like mustard plug on it. And that was, and then there was these two kids in my dance class. Yes. I took dance. <laughs> in middle school. It was lit. Um, but they were like huge, like skanking pickle fans and less than Jake fans. And like, I just remember like kind of like just becoming aware of all that at the same time I was starting to play music. And there was like a program at school called Rock Band where we would like start bands after school. And there was actually a ska band in that program called Alvin and the Punk Amongst, a bunch of <laughs> seventh and eighth graders covering Aquabat songs. But so, and I just think it was also that time, you know, like, like you were saying, like there's like this kind of like boom of like it was everywhere. And, and yeah, it was hard to avoid at that time. And I'm glad that, you know, 
that I caught on to it. <laughs> For sure. It's cool that it's, you know, kind of coming back around. Um, so with She's Kerosene and then also Gave You Everything kind of becoming these successful songs, um, how did that kind of impact you as people and did it change anything about the way you approached In the Wild compared to the previous records? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think that how, well, like maybe the response of Kerosene or Gave You Everything impacted like how we approached making music and making records, but it definitely helped give us like a, a some sort of like validation in that like wow what we're doing is connecting with people so like and amy i'll let you take it but when we started this record it was about making songs that would connect and yeah 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 i think that we just we always want to be better than we we always just want to progress and and be better than i just always want to be better than i was the last record i just always want to sing better write better i just always want to push myself to be the best that i can possibly be so um, that's what I, I feel like this record, um, I feel like this record is, is really special in that, um, and I don't think it has anything to do with whether, what the past, anything that happened in the past, it's just this record, we were all locked down together. Kevin produced it. I'm t I, this song, the album is my life story. And I just wanted it to be the best that it could possibly be and the most authentic that it could be and tell my truth and in telling my truth, um, have the hopes that it would connect with other people's truth or tell my story in the hopes that other people can see their story inside of it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it is like the most personal record that I think the interrupters have done. Um, I mean, I feel like you open up about mental health and, um, and like even like the really catchy songs like in the mirror, it's like you read the lyrics and it's like, oh, there's like, so much anxiety in there and you know it's yeah. it's, it's almost like deceptive because it sounds so fun you know yeah um I mean what was sort of pushing you to really open up like this and how did it feel like was it uncomfortable at all was it therapeutic well music has always been my refuge and music has always been my therapy and the one constant in my life and the thing that brings me um brings me a sense of um I don't know what's the word um gives me a sense of peace when i sort of pour out all of my heart and my soul onto the page and i feel like this is an authentic piece of art i feel alive i feel free of some of the burdens i'm carrying so it's therapeutic but it's definitely hard it's really 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 hard to to shed your skin like that it's hard to to peel back um a mask you know that you that you've worn for so long um i think that in our previous music a lot of the 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 lyrics i wrote and a lot of the stories i would tell i would tell about other people so uh i would never make well rarely would i make it in first person there's rare, rare occasions like a song called good things and turntable where i talk about my story but a lot of the times in the majority of the interrupters music, I would tell my story, but through other people. So like that happened to her. I would, the song called Easy On You was my story, but I said, she, you know, she, that happened to somebody else. I, um, Jenny Drinks is about, was about me at the time, but I said that was about Jenny. Um, 
song called She Got Arrested was something I experienced in my life, but I made it about somebody else. So this record, I think that I felt, I felt, I felt that it was time to stop hiding behind other people's saying about other people and just finally just tell my story. And I'm really glad I did because it really was a um, a rebirth of sorts to to get it out and to finally um, sort of unveil my myself and and just be real with who I am. I do feel like all of the like first person stuff on the album, like it does make it so impactful. Like I think about like past interrupter songs, but there's a lot of we pronouns and like lots of just like anthemic, like take back the power, you know, like very like fist raised, like kind of, but this, I would just hearing like all these and like, you know, like you'd sing about like your OCD, I think on Jailbird, right? And like, when I first heard that, I was just like, it like hits hard in a way that is different for the band that I think is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was really honestly for us, like kind of an amazing, like perfect storm, long time coming of us to be able to help her tell her story through music in that way, because being locked down and being that we had to make the record at home because we didn't know when we were going to be unisolated, able to go to a studio and, you know, having this kind of safe place to do all that and spend the time on it, I think is the only way it could have really been done. I don't think we could have made this record any other way, especially with some of the weight of the of the things um, that Amy's addressing in the songs. It's like, you can't really like be like, all right, well, we'll show up at the studio tomorrow at like three o'clock for a couple hours and try to like bang out like a song about one of the most traumatic moments of your life, you know, like <laughs> it, it does, you know? So I, I'm really grateful that we did have the opportunity to take our time and, and make this record at home too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you do you feel like the isolation, the added time at home contributed to maybe how the directions that the, the lyrics took? Um, definitely having the time to do the reflection was so key um, because I really dug very deep. And I I I think that just being isolated, the isolation created an environment for me to do that digging. But also, I mean, um, I did this therapy at the time while we were building the studio because we, we, they, the twins and Kevin built the studio by hand using power tools and YouTube video, how-to videos. Yeah, um, and Joanne's Fabrics. And Joanne's Fabrics. <laughs> so yeah, we took the garage and our rehearsal space in the backyard and turned it into a recording studio. And while they were doing that, I was doing this treatment for my brain called TMS, TMS therapy, which is... Transcranial, Transcranial magnetic, magnetic stimulation. Um, and uh, that uh, really changed my life and it really um, helped my help help me in in my depression. Um, basically, do you know about it? Do you know what TMS? I have, is? I have not heard of it. So TMS is where they take a um, they put a, like a little helmet on you. And basically, there's a part of the brain that they found that scientists discovered uh, in people with major depressive disorder, like myself, I've had it for pretty much my whole life. And they found that people that have that have a little dark spot in their brain that doesn't get lit up. And the magnet, go I went every day for six weeks and I took a, a day off a week. But anyway, and, and basically it stimulates that part of the brain and it it helps with depression in a massive, massive way. And it really helped me um, 
want to wake up in the morning and be happy to be alive, which is something I hadn't experienced pretty much ever. So in just my depression being lifted, I was able to look at some really traumatic and some really dark places in my life. They were quite frankly, really unsafe to go mentally before that treatment. I couldn't even look at that stuff because it was just too hard to look at. But once I got the help from my brain and I was feeling happy to be alive, I just started writing so much and so much creativity came out of me and so much, so many things I was afraid to look at, I was able to look at. And like I said, the isolation helped and the time helped. So it was kind of a perfect storm. And, um, and so that's kind of why the lyrics I think are as personal and as deep as they are. That's amazing. Um, I have one other specific lyric question. I don't know if maybe you would rather let it speak for itself. And if you would, that's fine. Um, on the last song, Alien, you sing, I've never felt completely female, which I feel like is a really, it's, I feel like it's going to be an important song in this era where we're often talking about gender fluidity and challenging the binary. And I guess I was wondering if you would elaborate on that in, unless you don't want to, but. Well, <clears throat> the, yeah, the, this, kind of a long story <laughs> i don't know how much time you have um but yes um i this song is about feeling like an alien on this planet and not feeling um and not feeling um at home in my body and not connecting to the female to the binary and not connecting to um what society says a woman should be like I've ne I haven't um I've you know when I was growing up I uh had well I still have and I had as a child since eight years old um a condition called trichotillomania and that's when you pull out your eyelashes and your eyebrows or, or your head hair you just pull out your hair and you can't stop it you can't there's no cure and there's no there's no reason why there's not a lot of information about it. And it's really kind of confusing as a child, especially when nobody around you looks that way and you're the only one that looks that way. And I got bullied and I got teased a lot and it was traumatizing for me. Um, and I had um, a lot of abuse as a child, um, sexual, physical, mental abuse. And at one point in my early childhood, like, eight, nine, 10 years old, I, I kind of disassociated from my body because my body was really an unsafe place. It didn't, I didn't connect with it. So I just started, I had identifying as a spirit that I wasn't male. I wasn't female. I was just a spirit. And that gave me a freedom where I didn't feel like, cause I didn't look like the other girls. I didn't act like the other girls. Like I just didn't relate you know and so um yeah i have um a deep deep empathy and under and um i relate very much to people that have um gender dysphoria and um i just think that um it was just a very lonely 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 place to be in my body and on the earth so that's what that song is about and and that's the short short version believe it or not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I, I feel like that song is going to help a lot of people. I feel like it's, um, you know, it's powerful to put that out there, I think. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so you had mentioned earlier that uh, uh, you made this at your own studio. You built it. 
Um, is this, had you done all the other records with Tim Armstrong? Is this the first self-produced one? Yes, Kevin Bavana produced it. Yes, I did produce this one. And um, yeah, we did the first three records with Tim. This one is still, you know, he's a part of it. It's on Hellcat Records. And mm -hmm. a couple, you know, when we were doing the song inventory, there was actually a couple songs that ended up making this record that we had like kind of started building with him before the lockdown. But mm -hmm. once the lockdown happened and the clock just started going like this and we're like, when are we going to get out of this? It just became this thing where we need to make a record and the only way we can do it is at home. And I have a long history of engineering and producing music. So I was comfortable and I kind of knew the direction we wanted to go. And then once she kind of had this collection of songs that she felt so attached to, our only job was to just support the songs and make them as best as they could be, you know, just. And really being uh, not putting ourselves in a box of any genre, just really just wanting to get the story told and the, and Kevin was an incredible producer because he he wanted this song to be supported and there was no like this has to be ska this has to be punk I mean Alien doesn't even have any guitars on it yeah like it's true. you know and then and my heart is another one it's we've done things on this record that are very not you know in the the box of ska punk necessarily yeah but still I feel like our identity as a band is in those songs yeah. regardless of whether there's upstrokes and yeah. toasting but <laughs> the song is king the, the song yeah exactly the song is the main thing that we want to support and in in doing it at home and being the producer too like I have the best three partners right here to cuz if I had an idea that wasn't good they would tell me and they were comfortable being like I don't know about that and we'll try it and then we tried everyone's ideas and ultimately where we ended up is a place where I I feel like and I can't really speak for everybody but I think I can all four <laughs> of us are so happy with the end result you know yeah like yeah, yeah. you did a great job yeah, thanks I definitely think you got the best performances out of all of us individually well they yeah, individually and collectively I mean, that was the other luxury of doing it at home is was like, we had the time if Amy wanted to do vocals at three in the morning, because that's when she was emotionally connected to the song we were about to sing, she could do that. If she didn't feel like singing, she didn't have to. We woke up in the morning making tracks. We felt like we got a good take, but Jesse's like, I could do that drum better. And then boom, just does it in one take like that. Like yeah. anything was better is just him in one go. And it's the wildest drum take from <laughs> any interrupters record. And I was just like, I can't believe that like we captured that. You know? and, like, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had, and vocally too, I feel like, you know, we, we, we're, we're big fans of harmonies and having, you know, our vocal arrangements, you know, be an effective part of the song. And I feel like we really had time to try different things out and live with it and see if it worked. And then, you know, and ultimately where it ended up, we're super happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, you were talking oh, about, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to build on his saying like the vocal thing. I was going to do a call back. You saw the city field. We were mm -hmm. recording vocals backstage before we went on. Oh, well, at city field. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was hard way. So when you listen to that song, just picture us backstage at city. Field. It, you listen to the very end of I learned everything the hard way. And you hear us all together going, I learned my lesson. Yeah. That's us backstage at city field <laughs> in, in between pizza slices. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we that's do. amazing well, we do it <laughs> yeah. that's so funny um and yeah i mean you were kind of talking about like not putting the album in like a genre box i feel like there is so much more musical variation on this one than i mean like and also like and i, I guess maybe this goes against the box thing but i feel like there's a lot more like ska history on it like i feel like you have like a lot of straight up 
old school like Jamaican ska influence on songs like Burden and Love Never Dies. And then there's yeah. kind of like the dubby Kiss the Ground. Um, and I was wondering if like if that was at all sort of like maybe an intentional thing to be like, okay, let's like break from just the ska punk stuff and maybe dive into like, you know, some of those earlier versions and and bring that into present day. It really wasn't. It was that this, like I said, the song we we um like kiss the ground for example was a song that came about because kevin just picked up the guitar i was playing reggae and she started singing this hook and i just started singing it and just as it was and um and we 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 just wanted the song to be what it wanted to be instead of try and change it or try and produce it in a way that it wasn't the original idea and at the same time we did go in the studio and say what would it sound like as a ska song because it's mm-hmm. half time. So we double timed it sometimes when you're low. And then what we notice is it's like, it's dancey, but it's missing the original. It's missing the, the spirit of the song. So like, that was the thing is just listening to the spirit of the song and trying to like do whatever was best for that. And I feel the same way about burdens. It's got like such a, a rootsy feeling. We wanted to go roots on that and uh, having Greg and Alex singing on it to their harmonies was, I mean, when they came in to do those vocals, it just, yeah, yeah, Greg and Alex from Hepcat, our favorite ska band, like yep. took that song to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing that people don't get to hear on the record is how much fun we had that day recording. Mm-hmm. I mean, they hear it, but they don't know that like, this was like towards the end of the lockdown. And we actually all went to Tim's studio and Tim was there and Greg and Alex come and we're just laughing and we play the track and it literally happened so fast and they're so good, but their vibe was so good. And honestly, for us, the thing that I'm, I'm so grateful to have this song on the record, but the thing that I took away from it is like, I got to spend a day in the studio with Tim Armstrong, Greg Lee, Alex Desaire, and like make a song like that is something that I will never, ever forget or take pure joy, yeah. pure joy. It was amazing. We love them so much and they really blessed that track. Yeah. Yeah, that song is I, one of my favorites on the record. It's very sick. Um, and also, I kind of in general want to talk a bit more about the guests. So Hepcat, like, just covered. Awesome. Uh, you also have the Skints on there. Great UK punky reggae band. And Tim, of course, as mentioned, and who's on um, As We Live with Rhoda Dakar from the Body Snatchers, two-tone yeah. legend, the special AKA. Um, I mean, it's amazing how you kind of have like all these generations, like from two-tone to like Tim and Hepcat to the Skins who are like a newer band and stuff. And um, kind of similar to the last question, but was that like a planned thing to be like, let's, you know, highlight different generations or is it just kind of worked out that way? I mean, speaking for as we live that was one of the tracks i was talking about that we had built started building with tim before like the lockdown and as we were developing the record and kind of getting the song collection together that one came back around and we're like oh this would actually really fit the the record in a in a good way and there's nothing like it on the record so as we built it out obviously it was one that we built with tim and we're like we have to have tim's voice on this and as we were like kind of like building it it had such a two-tone groove to it. And we keep in touch with Rhoda. We love Rhoda. Every time we go to England, she'll come out to our show. She's DJed our shows. Um, we consider her family. And I've always, and I know Amy too, in the back of our minds are always like, we got to make a track with Rhoda. Yeah. And then as we're working on this track, it's just like, this might be the one. Yeah. Let's send it to her and see what she thinks. And we send it to her and she sent it back 
like a voice memo of her singing along to it playing and it's her exact like whole idea of the verse the love is in action like all of that and she's like what do you think and we were like please record this and send it to <laughs> so good so she recorded her vocals in london sent them to us and uh and it just fit right in like we were all in the room together and like it was uh it was a beautiful thing to have that, like like three generations of ska on a track, especially with such a powerful, I think, message. Like, and uh, yeah, it was an honor. Yeah. We love her so much. And everybody did. I mean, I feel like Amy, you did your thing in your verse. Tim did his thing. Rhoda did her thing. And it's like nobody's trying to be anything but themselves. But it all works together in such a beautiful way. And to speak to the Skints one, that was that was a song that we had was a really important song to us, Love Never Dies, that we had demoed out like three different ways. It was like acoustic at one point. We had it kind of like a rock reggae clash mm -hmm. thing at one point. And it just never kind of fit the vibes. And we would always be like, okay, it's good, but it's not done. And then one day we had the idea of like kind of giving it that rootsy, like 72 harder they come kind of vibes. And as soon as we made that track, we heard the Skins voices on it yeah. when they weren't even on it. We were like, oh, what if we got the Skins? Because <laughs> we've toured with them and like, as far as live bands go, it doesn't get better than the Skins. Like they're so talented and their harmonies are so good and their taste, their approach, just everything they do. We're just such huge fans. We're huge of. fans. So, and they're hard. They're the sweetest people yeah, in the world. They really are. Like they're a joy to be around. Yeah. And they brought joy to that track, which was like kind of a had kind of this bittersweet, melancholy, darker vibe. But there's this uplifting harmonies and just everything they added to it. We just loved it so much. Yeah awesome um yeah it's it's also like i love that song too which is i feel like all the collabs on the record are like so sick it's like Thanks. you because like i saw the track list before i heard the record and you're like that's very exciting on paper and then you hear it and you're like yep totally delivers <laughs> <laughs> thank you so yeah. much no yeah totally it's, it's all really cool and i love um you know i especially love with the skins like i was kind of saying earlier like you know like you said it's not like this music ever goes away but there's definitely like a spotlight on it now and there's you guys and there's the skins and there's so many new bands and i was wondering are there other newer younger bands that you're fans of i mean i think anybody that is going all in on like upstrokes and and keeping the ska flag going like we are supporters of you know like it's it's important too as generations go by because if you if you think about ska you have the different waves but like we said it's always constant but like what's going to keep it going into the future so i mean I, anyone that's keeping it going into the future we're huge fans of and that's why we brought the skins on our tour and that's why we're going out with them in september and yeah and barstool preachers barstool preachers are also great scott punk band from england they're coming but they're, we're going on tour with those yeah, guys in the uk oh yeah and you sing on one of their songs too right i do yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so, that's a really cool band yeah sweet um so actually while we're talking about ska bands um everybody go favorite ska band of all time Ooh, <laughs> i'm gonna say hepcat i got i gotta i'm i'm, I'm i really like justin hines and the dominoes that's a big that's the that 60s vibe but gonna be my choice. yeah I got a record of his that I just listen all day long on loop. Yeah. And we used to play those his songs back in high school, in our high school school. I mean, I love Madness and the specials <laughs> and Selector. Yeah. And you Body Snatchers. The entire two-tone. Yeah. 
Her favorite ska band is the entire two tone catalog. I'm gonna say Hep like Hat. every, every everyone in dance on Dance Craze the yeah. movie. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, what do you got? Josh? And he can't. Um, and he, and, yeah, sorry, I could go on. <laughs> it's a hard question, but I'll go with the Slackers. Does that count? Yeah, I mean, I know they mix everything up, but got some ska. Ska. I mean, I want to say Hep Capigotti said it. Yeah, I was um, literally thinking Justin Hines and the Dominoes, and then Jesse said, it. "See, that's the thing. We're a family, so we're always like <laughs> connected in, in the brain." But, but yeah, right. of, of course. Whalers but, before they, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Skylights, I mean, also the specials. Come on, come on. The twins and Kevin backed up the specials recently. I know. Yeah. I was actually just about to bring that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that was amazing, and um. Telling me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and also, uh, I think did two of you play when Tim and Jesse did the kind of op ivy, re- yeah. So, oh, yeah, like, so that's like in one night you play with the specials and Operation Ivy. I mean, I don't know if there's a more legendary Scott double bill to have been part of. Like, what was that like for, for you guys actually playing on stage? You know, it was so funny, I can only speak for myself, but rehearsing and learning all those special songs and wanting to like do a good job just kind of like fogged up my whole brain that week and I was just like I gotta like learn the solo on you know too much too young and all of that I gotta just learn everything and once we got into playing in a room with them we were like because we rehearsed with the specials for a couple days before and we were like wow this is actually insane to be playing these songs and then when the show day came I made I mean, like I made so many mistakes because I was just like, this is crazy. (laughs) Jesse Michaels is up here. Like it it was one of those things that like you can't really like you have no idea how you're going to feel when it comes. And then once it comes, you're just like, wow, like because the Jesse thing was very much like on the fly last minute, kind of this beautiful storm of just like, let's do it. And we like we've been covering sound system in the interrupters for like 10 years. So we knew knew it. And uh, I mean, it was awesome. And this guy. Yeah, I was the drummer of the specials for a whole evening. It was insane. <laughs> the first, I remember going into rehearsals. I remember going into rehearsals and being like, dude, you got it so easy. I have to learn chord progressions. I got to learn harmonies. Then when we start rehearsing, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You, those drum parts are not easy. No. They're like very, very like unique. Yeah. And it was a good week for me though to study those drum parts and have to learn them and play them perfectly and then get into rehearsals <laughs> and have like Horace Panther go, oh hey. At this part, like you don't do it this way, do it this way. I'm like, oh yeah, great. And so like it was a big learning experience, but it was also just so much fun. And we love those guys. They're yeah, just they're such so sweet, sweet sweethearts. So funny and so rad. And like, dude, yeah, I remember the first song we played at rehearsal, Man at CNA, and you were you started, yeah. and I saw Horace go over to the drum kit and he was bouncing, yeah. like you see him on stage. And I was like, dude, Horace Panner's like bouncing to my brother. This is like <laughs> crazy right now. Like, yeah, it was awesome. It was great to just, I was playing piano in that because the horse was playing bass. So it was great for me to just be able to skank and watch Horace the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it was like, a, it was honestly like a musical history yeah. lesson. It was amazing. No, it sounds surreal. Um, so I know like you've obviously known Tim personally super well for so long, but do you want an Operation Ivy reunion as much as the rest of us do? I think if, if, those dudes want to get together and play those songs nobody's going to be mad at that you know what i mean like i i'm i'm a big fan of we love operation ivy yeah, so we would we would be in the front row if that yeah, happened we would be in the front row i might I be would, tuning the guitar actually. yeah <laughs> i'd be going to get them coffee if they, yeah if they needed it you know what i mean whatever whatever you need I'll, let's let's yeah I'll make this happen yeah but you know 
uh, yeah, of course. Who doesn't want to hear those guys play those songs? You know what I mean? Like, It's like amazing how that's kind of become like the band that people are like, you know, like people like Bug Riot Fest on Twitter, like, well, you've got everybody else to reunite, before, you know? Like, um, uh, did you see the petition that Laura Jane Grace made? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, it's like, they've, they're they like the new Fugazi. Like, it's just like, cons- like you know, anyway. <laughs> um, We'd all love to see it. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I think, like, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty much everything I was going to ask. Um, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Is there anything else you want to plug or shout out or mention that we haven't talked about? Our t- our, just our tours coming up. What yeah. are they, Kevin? We're going to... We'll be in Europe for the first two weeks of August, and then we go to the UK for the last two weeks of August, and then we come back and do the come back to the United come States. back to the United States, and we finish out the Flogging Molly co-headliner with Tiger Army and the Skints. That's from Denver to the West Coast, and then we got a lot more coming. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Can Very I ask cool. you a question? Yeah, go for it. How long you had that Kate Bush poster hanging on your wall? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did, did you uh did you did you hear what I said to Paige about this or no? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, that's so funny and also embarrassing. So I yeah, I've had, <laughs> I've had that poster on the wall. For anyone listening, there's a Kate Bush poster on the wall behind me. <laughs> We're on video, the interrupters can see it. And I have had that for like 15 years. Yes. And and it's and I know because Love I record it. all my interviews in this chair with that poster visible. I'm like, someone's going to see that and be like, he buy that like two weeks ago. Because <laughs> things. Like, That's awesome. Talk about timing. I love it. I know. I'm, it's like, it's like, I used to be so proud of it. And now I'm like almost embarrassed. Like, I oh, no. it, you know? <laughs> she's awesome. She's timeless. She's, she's yeah. so cool. So it's yeah. a very cool poster. She deserves everything that's coming to her this, at this time. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. amazing. Like, I, I mean, it's like, I, you know, I'm just looking at the billboard chart the other day as one does. And she's like in the top five or something up there with like Harry Styles. And I'm like, this yeah. is like, for, to so many people, this is just like, a hit of the summer like it's so fucking cool it's so deserved totally. yeah. hell yeah awesome all right well on that note thanks so much again it's been a lot of fun yeah thanks for coming on thank you so hey, much Lord, for having thank us you so much hey so that was our chat with the interrupters thanks for listening thanks again to the band for coming on and uh subscribe to the brooklyn vegan podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and stay tuned for more episodes see you soon <laughs>